and welcome to Good Boys Gone Bland, season nothing, episode nothing, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm your co-host, Denali. I'm your co-host, Ryan. And that's it. It's just us. Uh, just the two of just us. Just the two of us. There's no Jace today. We are recording a, another summer we break. We cut that turd loose. We d- <laughs> He's fired. We got rid of him. And finally, we can we can record the content we've finally, always Finally, we don't have to do these stupid themes. We are now a Ninja Turtle podcast. We have hijacked the car season that Ryan suggested. Um, Who hijacked the car season? That was pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. But to explain the situation, we've done another summer break episode like we did last year. Uh, summer's tough, guys. I mean, we have a lot of scheduling conflicts. Jace was unfortunately out of town, uh, but he permitted Ryan and I to take the wheel, so to speak, for this episode. And we decided to record a bonus episode for you guys because, look, I, we know things are tough out there. All right. The climate is burning us all alive. The economic situation's not great. We need more content to help distract us from this hellish existence. So Ryan and I decided to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Not the new one, not the new one in theaters that you guys are all so excited about, but the original one, the OG from 1990. Um, and it is it is a little funny watching this movie, Ryan, right after watching Turbo Rangers. <laughs> Okay, so this was a com- This was a theme I was gonna draw. Yeah, in that it hits a lot of the same beat points, mm-hmm. and my main complaint is the same main complaint I had in the other one. I mean, if we draw the analogy to like them being turtles and them kicking butt, to like them being Power Rangers kicking butt, I, I guess it's not my main complaint because that's right. They kick a lot more butt in this one than they did in Power Rangers. A hundred percent, yeah. But like the overall story arc is absolutely terrible (laughs) and we're gonna don't worry everybody like normal we're gonna gonna get into it we're gonna go kind Um, of beat by beat through the movie and give our thoughts and favorites and disfavorites and uh likes and least likes we'll get there yeah and and jace fans don't worry he's coming back yeah all right jace haters also don't worry uh (laughs) the joke density is gonna hit a lot harder jace contributes a lot of joke density all right it's gonna be he's not here to defend himself you don't gotta you don't gotta do it i i feel like he deserves a defense like like you're a law guy i really don't he suggests dumbass movies that almost derail the podcast I suggested Turbo Rangers last week. All right. Um, I, I mean, I watched that movie twice, and I'm not upset about it. I'm upset yeah. about watching the art of racing Look, in the rain. I I am too, Jace. Look what you've done to us. He can't defend himself, folks. But don't worry, Jace is coming back to enjoy that movie that we're gonna have to watch together um, at some point. So have no fear, Jace. I hope you're enjoying the Oregon coast. But folks, right now we're in the midst of, like we said, the car season. We're not doing a turtle season yet. I've always wanted to pitch a Ninja Turtle season because there's about six six to eight movies. Okay, a Ninja Turtle season or a turtle season? Uh, I, I think Ninja Turtles could stand on its own because a lot of the turtle season real estate could be taken up with Ninja Turtles on okay. its own. There's not a whole lot of turtle content outside of these these four very good boys. Um, but Ryan, what is your experience with the Ninja Turtles? Did you do you know about them? Did you watch any of the the IP? Did you read the comics? Uh, what's your experience with? The so I didn't read comics because I'm not a fucking nerd. <laughs> That's uh, a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I did watch the show here and there. Like when it was, I didn't wasn't like a religious watcher. I think I had seen this movie when I was a very young kid, like at a friend's house. 
But I was a poser, dude. I had like Ninja Turtles merch and shit in high school, and I had never really watched much of the show. But you liked the aesthetic. You were like, kind I, of like the, the I like the idea. The fact that like there's this these these turtles, right? And they're mutated mm-hmm. and they live in the sewer, but they're like humans. Number one, fucking baller. That's like grungy, cool. like cool. yeah, or grungy badass shit. Okay, mm-hmm. and and second, like they're named after like artists. Which yeah. kind of like goes Good against ones. that, right? That, that's like a, it's kind of a interesting choice. It's not like to make fun of those artists or anything like that. It's like, hey, look, we can be guys who live in the sewers and kind of wacky, immature people, but we can also like respect history. Yeah, that's interesting because like I feel like a lot of people adopt adopted kind of the aesthetic of Ninja Turtles. Like you said, it has such a big like pop culture effect. It's kind of like people who wear Bart Simpson shirts and shit. I mean, not everyone yes. is a hardcore Simpson fan who's watched all 60 whatever seasons of this. I agree. Um, I read a little bit of the comics um, growing up. Uh, this comic debuted in like 1984, and I, I believe it was written, I think it was by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. Kind of like a buzzy comic when it came out. It, I heard it was like low-key, tied into Daredevil. I think they have the similar origin I think story they, did, they didn't have the goo. rights, right? Right. Like, the joke is that like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of like wanted to make a spinoff. And it's it's kind of just this pulpy kind of like, uh, what, what's that called? We, we talked a little bit about camp last episode i think it touches into that it had a popular cartoon series i've never seen in the 80s i watched a shitload of the 2003 to 2009 cartoon series i believe it was on cartoon network yeah Um, i don't really remember i think i saw every episode of that i because that's what i had seen yeah sick ass cartoon i think it it did get some critical acclaim and then of course i rented these bad boys these (laughs) these 1990s uh, rubber suit movies like i think god once a month from blockbuster growing up oh really um, so you you've seen this multiple times i have but it's it's crazy and this is kind of the weird thing about developing children's brains is i don't remember most of this okay um just like really really sparse moments in this thing okay and then i haven't seen any of the new stuff i haven't seen the michael bay so uh, i've reboots. seen that one you've seen those okay, okay. i've seen the, well don't say don't don't come on and be like you've seen those you see i, I, I caught listen, i, I mean, caught it's, it's, most of it at a house party <laughs> It's, it's okay it's okay any good any? i think it was i mean it's yeah. a michael bay movie <laughs> yeah right yeah, right i mean they could have taken the same plot line and adapted it to any other ip so but it's just kind of like okay this is on it reminds me of like um it's kind of like the eagle eye aesthetic you remember that movie eagle eye i do i do yeah yeah it's <laughs> kind of that yeah kind of that vibe you're thinking of like the the blue and orange oversaturated that type of thing it's funny that i know exactly what you're talking about just from the eagle eye front cover that's the only thing that came to my mind um i also was just not interested in the new turtles there was a lot of controversy when that came out about how weird they looked in the cg there was a bit of a correction with this new movie that's coming out now kind of done in the spider verse you know cool style of animation but to me this movie is kind of like the penultimate turtle look me like when i think of ninja turtles i think of these guys that's, uh, not, what, that's you, not what penultimate means but that's fine what do you think is the penultimate turtle look the penultimate means second to last what what, what do you think is, is second to last in the, uh, <laughs> in the, turtle can? Uh, the michael bay one the new yeah, one i don't know like, that's do, question is so far over yeah. my head i can't even and then maybe think about how to up. answer it maybe follow up what's what's the best one you think oh, what's the one that comes the to your ultimate? mind yeah yeah I, I when I think of Ninja Turtles, I think of these guys in the rubber suits from the 1990s. Okay, hell yeah, I do too. And maybe I had funny, seen the sequel or something. The Secret of the Ooze, right? Um, and it's funny because this came out, you know, before we were born. Like this, this was 
almost an 80s movie, uh, just aesthetically and in the in sense of the sensibilities. But Ryan, did you look up anything about the box office? We don't have to, we can, we can play a version of the box office game because there's only <laughs> two of us to ping pong this back and forth. So I don't know anything about what was, what was released that, okay. that day. But I did okay. learn after watching it and when I was just reading through the trivia that it was technically like an indie movie. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't backed by a studio, which is weird to me because when I think of like yeah. comic, especially nowadays, when I think about comic book IPs, that's that's the I mean that's all we have. Oh my god, yeah. Like <laughs> like I biggest, think Barbie yeah. is kind of like a refreshing breath of air, <laughs> and that's like a toll. It's literally based right. on like the next closest thing to a uh, comic book. Capitalism, folks. It's all just corporate propaganda to sell toys. But yeah, I mean, you probably read this was done by New Line Cinema, which at the time was kind of this like new sketchy like production yeah. company that would make genre films. Um, yeah, you probably saw the Critters shout out in the movie. Yeah, uh, have, have you seen Critters? That movie's fucking. I've nuts. seen maybe parts of it. I might be mixing up with like Trolls too. But okay, yeah, we should do a Critters uh, one shot sometime because that movie is a lot of fun. But yeah, like you said, this was relatively like low budget. I don't think there was a lot of faith in this, and this was back when comic books were still considered just trash it was just kind of like campy schlock that kids read um there wasn't kind of like a really serious comic book bro fan base at this point not to like a large extent you do have like the the comic book guys who are like oh it's it's fucking works of art but it wasn't like it is now at all right um so you have these these guys adapt this movie only like five or six years after the comic books debuted the budget here was 13 million dollars I think pretty decent still uh, for 1990. This thing made $200 million right? when it came out. Holy shit. I think like, that this, this is the yeah. beginning of people underestimating kids and like kid-friendly content. Even the Michael Keaton Batmans back then were like mm-hmm. kid-adjacent almost because like this was a movie about teenagers, like explicitly about teenagers and it's in the title. Olds. Yeah. <laughs> And yet it made big at the box office and it's not really like a kid's movie. It's this weird in between really kind of teenage sort of like content level. And think about other movies like Gremlins and stuff like this movie I could see appealing to adults, teenagers and children. So I and it's kind of like weird enough, right? Like it's that weird in between kind of wacky Twilight Zone level of like realisticness. It's set in the real world. But it has fantastical stuff. And that's what I like most about it because that's the sort of things that I maybe attach to the most. When I'm sitting around, maybe I'm on like a bus going to school or something. I'm not thinking about super realistic stuff. I'm thinking about like, what if the Ninja Turtles lived in my world? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's right, kind right. of like, that's not a bottom level thought that you, that would appeal to like five-year-olds. That's, a, that's an in-between level thought. And this franchise has some intellectual stuff with the think about the freaking names of the guys they're they're like renaissance painters and that is a really difficult balance to strike no i i agree i mentioned the word genre films i mean it's a miracle this thing was ever made if i was an executive back in the 80s i would think you're fucking insane to make a movie like this like who is who does it appeal to who is the target audience so the thing about New Line Cinema is I know about New Line Cinema because it's called mm. The House That Freddy Built. Right. Because it's like basically its first major movie was Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's mm. a similar thing. And so, and I love slashers. 
You know, you know me. When, when, oh yeah. I mean, we've passed Fourth of July. I'm in basically in slasher season. <laughs> so the thing about those movies is that they're box office destroyers because mm-hmm. they cost no money. You have to, you get to pay these <laughs> nobody actors, right? Yeah. And then you put a mask on the stuntman, and the stuntman can be a major part of the film. And then you just kill off the actors. Half the cast only gets paid for half the movie. You're and, saving money with each plot point. Right. Yeah. And people watch it multiple times in a row. It becomes cool yeah. classics. You, they build off for sequels, right? So New Line Cinema mm-hmm. kind of not really started it because there had been other movies before. But I think they did other ones too. They did like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff. Well, they also, in the early 2000s and late 1990s, they did The Lord of the Rings. Fucking insane. So they like, went from <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street that made right. a fuck ton of money off of like no uh yeah no budget then they were like okay let's make this teenage ninja mutant turtles i think i messed the acronym up (laughs) and they made 180 million dollars off of it and then 10 years later they're making the most acclaimed series of all time like the most expensive in-depth fantasy series of all time and like if we didn't have this movie if there's some guy in some boardroom like what is the butterfly effect of this movie Oh, my God. We might not even have the Marvelverse without this movie. Like, this was kind of the proof of concept for a lot of these, like, insane genre films. Yeah, and people uh, buying into yeah. series, right? Yeah. Like, they, they, they shot all three Lord of the Rings movies before they released the first one. Right. <laughs> so, like, yeah. think about Iron Man coming out five years after Return of the King. Did they... Holy shit. Th- like, the idea was that, like, you make a movie, you <laughs> budget for it, you release it and you make a profit and you go on to the next one. Yeah, there are series, but a lot of those series are like action movies or slashers. Right. This movie was an adaptation from a comic book and it did really well. And they're like, we're going to take the same characters and make another IP. Maybe they had Batman before this, right? With the Batman Michael Keaton movies. Right. But like, this was an important stepping stone. It kind of was. And that's interesting to think about. And my next question is, is like, is the world better for it? Because yes. we talked about how, <laughs> right? Because we have movies we love, but it's like we also talked about like how movies are kind of dominated by brands right now. Like, was this kind of like the first step of us tipping completely over into just like Marvel franchises and DC franchises and like Hasbro shit, like Transformers, all of these things dominating, you know, popular art. And maybe it was inevitably going to go that way anyways, you know, Ninja Turtles or not. I, okay, I think if you're talking about the world, yeah. number one, this movie didn't make, like, it's not an Armageddon where it might have swung the election. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> that. That led to two 20-year-long wars. We are sticking with that conspiracy theory, folks. Watch our Armageddon episode. Okay, if, if you're saying that this changed the direction of Hollywood, yeah. it, regardless, I would say it was a good idea or a, a good outcome because... As the problematic movies that are being made today are not like the comic book movies. Like the kind of the genre pushing the, the ways that the superhero universe is like pushing its own genre or own boundaries is like it, it's it's pushing it forward. We're not having these two hundred million dollar budgets that are making regressive movies. Those movies right. are the movies that like you know make two hundred bucks at the box office and star Kirk Cameron. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe TMNT uh, did something good for the world. I like to think so. Um, And I also think this movie came out at the perfect time. 
you have a movie literally titled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is coming out in like the late 80s, early 90s. I think this is peak when people are seeing movies like this, like just movies with insane names. I think, you know, these kids riding skateboards and with boom boxes on their shoulders, like what I imagine like Bart Simpson, um, you know, like what kind of movies would he want to see or like what kind of movies these kids want to see? And I think it's something like this, something that's kind of gross and weird and you want to talk about it with your friends. Maybe college students want to get stoned and watch it. I think this was kind of the perfect storm for this thing to get whisked away. And the production of this movie, I feel like they went whole hog on this thing. Like they made these costumes Oh my God, these costumes. <laughs> Jim Henson uh, and his production company put these together. If you don't know Jim Henson, uh, look him up. He probably made a ton of your favorite movies Muppets. and even made fucking Muppets, Sesame Street, like all the costuming for all those, you know, Dark Crystal. Uh, well, for me, it's the Labyrinth. The Labyrinth, thank you. Yeah, um, these costumes, they're made of like fiberglass and foam, but it's so functional that they're actually doing stunts in these things. And they have these animatronic faces. It's it's a really different vibe than doing this animated. Like, how did you respond to the look of this movie? So my response was essentially, yeah. "Oh, that's how they're doing it." Right, right. <laughs> and then it's just over, and then you then you then yeah. you've bought in. Right. It wasn't like it was so. And 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 I love Jim Henson, right? Like Labyrinth yeah. is like a super formative movie for me. I and I love fantasy. So it was not weird at all for me. I wasn't expecting like, oh, those, those don't look like actual turtles. Yeah. Well, no shit. And so it, it was an easy buy-in. And I don't, I, I never was like, wow, this movie sucks. These costumes suck. I think the exact opposite. Those were the some of the craziest, best yeah. costumes I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, in some way, I wish that movies were still doing something this wild too. Not just CG, because I think CGing them like like Michael Bay did, I think it took away, you know, this this takes the audience back from it. But seeing something like this is almost a sense of theater, and, and you're really bought into these things. Like, you can touch these things. These things are knocking shit over. Well, also, <laughs> the characters in the movie are like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so, like... Yeah, yeah. So, you, you're in the same position as the people in the universe. In, in the new movies, yeah. they're just like, oh, it's a turtle man. Was right. like this is a grotesque, like weird green blob, and you can't really tell it's a turtle, and he's like <laughs> slobbering yeah. all over the place and stuff. And people are like, oh hey man, because they're right. they're acting with towards a tennis ball on a stick. And I feel like the actors could respond so much better seeing these guys in suits in front of them, because some of my favorite humor in the movie is them being like, holy shit, like <laughs> yeah. is that a fucking turtle? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. How someone would react seeing something like this. Um, Oh, and before we continue, Ryan, I mean, do we want to talk about why we picked this movie now that we're like in 20 minutes into talking about it? Why did we I pick this like, movie? Um, you sent me a long text yeah. message of movies you wanted to watch. <laughs> Peek under the hood, man. Jesus. All right. Yeah. I thought just with the new movie coming out, it might be a good time to revisit. I was also on uh, on Tubi, Tubi TV's website. It's a great service. I've changed my mind about Tubi. I think it's a good service. Um, they have... A lot of really strange, like, 1990s movies on here, including Star Kid, which I wanted to see as well. But I saw they have the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ser series. It's on Tubi for free. See it, folks. But I, I texted Ryan. I was like, please, Ryan, we got to watch Ninja Turtles. Uh, I'll do anything. I want to watch rewatch Ninja Turtles so bad. That's why we're watching it. And, uh, folks, if you have a problem with it, you can you can um, chew on my, my shell. Fucking, you can... You can okay, anyways, shell. so... <laughs> okay, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... We I don't remember when we did we discuss that before I went camping. 
I think I, so. I think, I think so. so. Okay. Before he almost died. Yeah. Wow. Spoilers. So also, I watched this on must have been Friday night, and I had gotten home earlier that day, and it was a welcome palate cleanser, right? Like it was never <laughs> going to be like too offensive. It wasn't yeah. going to be a movie where like people are getting gunned down and stuff. Like right. it was campy, it was lighthearted, and I was rooting for these guys. And that was like honestly really chill. And I think ultimately that's kind of the mindset I was in when I wanted to watch this because like I had had probably one of the worst 24 hour periods of my life right before this. Um, yeah. I I don't remember exactly because I was texting people all like a bunch of different people because I. Like, I always go out with, like, telling people where I'm going. And, like, if I if you don't hear back from me by this day, call someone. Right. So, I had to text those people, too. So, I don't remember exactly what I told you guys. But a short... I don't think I've told... I haven't told the story yet. I've heard Julie tell it to her family on the phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let me rewind a little bit. Yeah. This week, Julie and I were going backpacking. And that's that's a kind of this, like, what many people think of just, like, camping. But it just means, for me, it means you're not camping next to your car. Like, you put everything on your backpack, and you hike in, and you camp. Like, your tent is on your backpack, your sleeping bag is on your backpack, and you hike in. You have all your food and your water with you and everything like that. And so we were planning being gone for two nights. We were in Pennsylvania. And, And where we chose is, like, a designated backpacking area. So it's there's no roads in there. There's no development other than this backpacking trail so we were we went there for the purpose of getting off the grid like you know yeah help is far away because society is far away and that's the fucking point so julie had never been actual backpacking she, we go camping all the time we go camping twice a year but she had never been like backpacking style where we carry in our food in our tent and so we brought the dog also we have a 12 and a half year old tiny little westy terrier Okay, right. 17 pounds, right? And we uh, he has never been backpacking because he's a freaking pampered city dog. He'll go hiking with us every now and then. So we left, we hiked in, and the dog's doing okay. The dog, so we were, I was being very conservative. We got to the trailhead at like 5 p.m., which is really late, and we hiked in about two and a half miles with the old ass dog. Um, <laughs> Two and a half miles is a lot, right? We even carried him about a half a mile to give him a break in the middle of it. So finally, about seven o'clock, well, for the last hour or so, we had been hearing thunder in the distance. It hadn't gone closer, really. And so I was like, well, there's a big lake in front of us. Right. Maybe it's sounds bouncing off and it's just like in the distance. So I didn't pay too much mind. And then about seven o'clock, we, I knew that we lost light at 830. And so we had an hour and a half to set up camp and eat. Right. So we found a shitty spot and it's all woods. I'm not, we're not in a field. We're not like on a ridge. Well, we are on a ridge, but it's all in the woods. So there's a canopy above us everywhere. You can't even see out. Even though we're on top of a ridge, you can't see out off the side. There's no viewpoints or anything. So we found a relatively flat spot that doesn't have too much brush and uh, set up camp like normal. Eventually, the thunder got like super close and got like over us and that's not really that big of a problem because we get thunder over here all the time well we uh it started raining so we got in the tent and i, I had a, cooked a little dehydrated astronaut food little meals that i love, love. those i, I love, love those and so uh we you know we're eating food in the tent and everything and i'm gonna keep try to keep it a little bit short in the details but we eventually the lightning was like 
no longer in the distance or no longer like above us. It's like over the next 10 or so minutes, it was on us. And I had slowly been coming to the realization that the lightning storm that we had been hearing was not just really far away and moving by us. It was really slow moving. And normally over here, what we get is like these big fronts. You'll get like really hot and humid for a day. And then a new front will come in and just replace that air with like a wall of water and lightning. And they'll just kind of move over you. It took hours to get to us. And so when it started raining and then lightning was like on finally like on top of us, I was like, we're going to be in for like a long night, right? Like it's going like the storm. And by the way, I looked up the fucking weather. Okay. This is not, okay, this I, was I, not I, on I the weather radar. Okay. I mean... Sometimes spur of the moment, you know? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give, like, a little bit of background to what my mental state was and, like, what my thinking was for long term. Yeah. Because I had, I, I, I kind of, like, noted that this thing is going to take a long time to get past us if it took that long to get to us. Right. And then the rain starts really coming down. But we're in our tent. We got to fly. It's a nice, you know, REI tent and everything like that. Yeah. We eventually, maybe about, like, 750 we notice that the air just boom, like changes. I'm talking about the quality of the air. And Julie mentioned it. She's like, Ryan, the air just like got like really fucking cold. I was like, ah, what's happening, Julie? Is the wind, the wind's picking up and it's blowing the moist air from the rain underneath the tent and we give off warm air. And so we yeah. trap the warm air in this tent. And so the, the wind is bringing the new cold, moist air in under the fly and it's making it feel cold. And I was so fucking wrong. like like in the next two minutes like you could just tell like your skin like felt different the air would like literally just was like i don't know why this was like stuck out to me so much but the air just like fucking changed and right then the wind just changed completely and so this is probably about 755 758 we hear these two noises we hear these two popping noises like crack crack and they're really crisp cracks. And it's so crisp that I thought it was a bolt of lightning that like you hear the crack and then the boom. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like crack, boom. But the, the we didn't, nothing lit up. And it was just the crack. And it was like so fine. Like such a sharp, close noise. Like I didn't, it was so loud. I didn't know how far away it was. And it scared the absolute bejesus <laughs> out of us. Shit. Like I thought... Yeah. So a couple things, I was like, okay, could be Sasquatch trying to scare us. Right. Could be a bear climbing the tree <laughs> right next to our tent and making yeah. like some sort of like <laughs> noise. And maybe yeah. I just like misheard it. Uh, could be fucking aliens. <laughs> and it could be lightning and I blacked out the boom or something or like the boom hasn't hit us yet. Like I did, I literally did not know what it was. So we got really scared. And I told Julie like, we need to start talking about emergency preparation. Right. Like literally, I think that was word for word what I said. So I, so I'm I'm saying like if you get hurt or one of, if one of us gets hurt, leave the dog, put on your rain jacket, grab your phone and a flashlight and a water bottle, and go to the car and the car keys. And well, I forgot to say car keys. Julie caught that. <laughs> uh, and go to the car and get help. Yeah. Like we had had that conversation at that moment. Right. And then I looked out the rain fly. Like I, I unzipped and I unzipped the rain fly too, and I looked out in front of us, and dude. Not 10 feet. And I showed you these pictures, right? Yeah, yeah. That was nice. <laughs> so, uh, not 10 feet from the from the door of our tent is a tree. And I, it's probably two feet in diameter. 
It's a big yeah. old tree, a tree it's that we felt big. comfortable yeah, yeah. being around. <laughs> and it is just like the trunk was splitting in two mm-hmm. and leaning. And I could kind of tell that it was falling sort of away from us at an angle. And I was like, Julie, we need to go. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, I, I, I was thinking that, but at that point I didn't say it. And I was like, uh, okay, Julie, it's a tree that's falling, but I think we're okay. Like, I don't see any <laughs> other ones, right? Because we heard multiple noises. And at some point, we heard another noise, another like, crashing noise. But I looked out again in a few minutes after I had kind of like told her what I saw. And I said, I'm going to look to see whether or not it's going to fall on us. Because I had determined that it was a tree. Mm-hmm. And so I looked out again, and I was less certain that time. Because you can't really tell angles really well. Yeah. And it's half dark. It's 8 o'clock now. And I don't, I don't know if there's other ones behind us. Because think about it, like, if this tree is falling away from us, there could be a tree behind us falling towards us. Because we heard mm-hmm. noises on either side of the tent. And I was like, we need to we need to think about leaving. Like, can, try and get your shoes on and your raincoat on and stuff. And as we're doing that, literally, as because our shoes are outside the tent, as we're grabbing our shoes and shit and yeah. putting our raincoats on and putting the harness on the dog, uh, we hear this. The I, I want to, like, not. I've been backpacking quite a bit. And I am a scaredy pants, but this is the most, and I've been in situations (laughs) with bears and when I know bears are circling me with grizzly bears and stuff like that, like in Alaska, when we're literally bear hunting, this was the scared, most scared I've ever been in my entire life. And this noise, this like, like noise uh, of the tree falling. Oh, fuck. And so I looked at Julie and we were we both basically said like get down and julie grabbed the dog put one hand over her head and lay down yeah. on her sleeping bag and i did put my hands over my head and lay down on my sleeping bag and we were just looking at each other like oh shit there's yeah. like a percent chance this thing falls on us or it's a different tree that's falling on us or it falls partway kicks back and comes at us you know cuz kick yeah, cuz that's yeah. called the you know widowmaker too when it kickbacks so so we literally thought we were like gonna uh, get crushed by a tree. Yeah, I, yeah, like <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Life flash before your eyes, sort of stuff. And as soon as it hit the gr- hits the ground, it goes go 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 And like all the you can hear all the branches hitting the ground and stuff like that. Oh my! I was God. like, we were going, and yeah. we <laughs> seriously grabbed phone. Julie, Julie said car keys, phone, car keys, a water bottle, and dog. That's all we had on us. We got yeah. out of that tent. We zipped it back up and we left. And I had the dog in my hands. Like I literally was carrying the dog. It's a tiny, he's 12 years old. He's 17 pounds. He, he, he couldn't, it took him three hours to get here. I literally <laughs> was carrying him in my arms the yeah. whole way. We got on that trail. We had to duck under the tree that fell and we didn't know how sturdy it was, but we had to climb yeah, under yeah. it. We booked it without stopping, without slowing down, without anything. Julie had this flashlight and she was in front. And well, I was in front for a little bit and I was like, I'm going to call out what I see, but I didn't have my glasses. Oh, fuck. (laughs) So as soon after about 10 minutes, the light was like gone. Essentially it was going and I I was worthless. So I, my glasses in the scramble to get out of the tent, my glasses went somewhere. Oh, fuck. So Julie was in front of me. So we switched spots and uh, she had a little flashlight and she would call out like, okay, step up. Okay. Log. Okay, rocks, watch your step, puddle, like all this kind of stuff. But we never slowed down for anything. We just like, boom. And while we were going, we had to cross other trees that had fallen. 
like new trees that had fallen Jeez. down because there's, there's always trees that fall over the path everywhere and they're all old as shit but there's a lot of new ones and literally that we didn't pass on the way in so sometimes it would be the tops of the trees too like the middle portion and you had to climb through the branches and everything we didn't have our backpacks or anything we just had the dog <laughs> right <laughs> so i we made it we literally two and a half to three miles straight Jesus. in the dark yeah with julie with the yeah. flashlight in front of us like freaking that scene out of the first episode of twin peaks like right. calling out the hazards for me i didn't have my glasses blind carrying this dog never put him down for 55 <laughs> minutes and we got Poor we got dude. to the car at 55 holy shit absolutely dude. drenched because the whole time it's pouring like monsoon like over here when it gets humid and stuff it just mm. the air just releases all the moisture like monsoon style it's taking fucking trees down as we're walking and so there's the rain the, like literally the pressure from the rain is, and, and is the wind knocking shit over yeah wow yeah and, and these are tree trees like like yeah. old forest trees i'm not talking about like little tiny trees mm. and the whole time maybe about every 20 to 30 seconds we'd get a lightning bolt that would light up the whole forest holy fuck go, 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 <laughs> you know and like so I could see sometimes, right, right. <laughs> ah, like blinded and stuff. And the the sky over us was lit the whole time. Wow. So after fifty five minutes, we got to the car and got service. And I think I might have text, texted you from the car. Yeah. And we sat there for about forty five minutes drying off. We thankfully had a change of. I always put a change of clothes in the car. We had change of clothes, water, and towels for the dog in the car. Thankfully, we went kayaking the day before, and we thought about what to do. And we, the whole time we were like, it was like severe thunderstorm warning. As soon as you turn your phone on, it's like severe thunderstorm warning. And uh, apparently that storm was, was going to last the whole night. So it's either sit in the car, which is still in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> so we also talked about like what, what the chances of a tree falling on the car were. Right. So we, about after 45 minutes, we found, we were able to find a hotel like within the half hour, 40 minutes or so. And we drove there and got a hotel for the night. And talked to our other friend who knew we were leaving, and she agreed. Nikki, shout out to Nikki. She Nikki. drove down two hours to the Pennsylvania border to grab the dog from us the next morning. Oh, that's nice. And we uh, turned around and went back to the trailhead yesterday morning and uh, hiked back in, just the two of us, to get the tent. And took the pictures and everything that I sent you. And we, the tent was fine. No trees ended up falling on the tent. But literally as we were watching, walking in we were watching trees fall like you could hear them we had like a Jesus. like we were like okay if you hear something shout stop look yeah. and possibly run <laughs> like that was our <laughs> checklist right. and yeah. so in not it's not only full trees like branches too probably every 50 feet on the trail we had to move branches out of the way that had fallen and we counted 16 new downed trees wow Fuck, man! You guys were like running through like the like a World War II movie where like bombs. So are going it off. reminded me so much like, of ah, like ah. it's like a wimpier version of Forrest Gump. <laughs> and so it yeah, it crazy. was really yeah. traumatic. Like yeah, we're still on edge. Mm -hmm. Like today, we're still kind of like. And so this was we got back yesterday. So like yeah, we still. Someone will be walking throughout the house and notice the other person just sitting on the couch staring at the wall. <laughs> like, uh, I, yeah, I literally thought I was going to die. Like, there was a moment where I, I, I actually did think I was Jesus, dying. man. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's scary because, like, you know, there's an alternate universe where maybe the, the tree went the other way. You know, yes. You hear something so heavy land near you. It's hard not to, 
well, think so, about what could happen. Well, right. Yeah. And so even now, I had this conversation with Julia. Like, I feel guilty. Like, I feel really... And this is, sounds so stupid. And she told me, like, don't worry, that's stupid. <laughs> but, like... Right, right. Because I had looked out the tent before it had fell. And I had seen that it was going to fall. And that had started to fall. And I didn't immediately say, get out of the tent. I had assessed it and said, oh, it's probably falling away from us. We can spend an extra minute or so in the tent getting ready to go. Yeah. And what if I was wrong? You know, what if it hit another tree and changed courses a little bit? Because it didn't fall directly away from us. It was like kind of like a 90 degree angle almost. And so I feel a lot of guilt in not getting out of there faster than I did. Because Julie in that moment was completely trusting me to make the right decision. And I've, even though we're perfectly fine, like it's hard for me to tell, to like say that I did the right thing because there's a chance that what I did was, you know, not good enough. And it, and it had the right outcome. And I did assess the situation before that. But like at the time I didn't necessarily even say, what if I was wrong? Like, I was thinking about other trees following us because we had no indication that that thing was coming down. It was perfectly healthy, giant tree that we that right. we were like, oh, we're okay camping near this. It's just, it's hard to assess these situations rationally in the moment. And like adrenaline was pumping. So like so many things went almost wrong. Like I didn't have my glasses. I didn't have my wallet. You know, right. we didn't have any food. We didn't have... We did not have a thing, a single drop of food with us on the way out. Mm-hmm. So what if something happened to us? What if I tripped and sprained my ankle on the way out? Julie can't carry me. I can't even really carry Julie that far. because, And also I have the dog. What if I tripped and hurt the dog? What do we do in that circumstance? Like there's no way to plan for everything. And I have since then in the last day been like really difficult. It's been hard for me to be like confident in myself and feel good about what we did because like i even though i pulled the plug and left and some people would have stayed and i was you know in hindsight proven right because the tent was fine no trees or branches fell on the tent but like i know i made the right call ultimately because we left and it would have been we weren't comfortable i wasn't comfortable staying in that tent for another 30 seconds imagine being in it for another eight hours yeah. And this, and I knew at that point that the storm was super slow moving and it was going to last all night because I found out that the freaking thunder took two hours to reach us. Right. So like, it's hard. I still can't replay that and say I did everything right. Like I wish, even though I took the, I, even though, see, and this is weird. The, the choices of words I'm using, like, even though I wimped out and like, you know, pulled the plug. <laughs> I don't know if it's, right, yeah, but, yeah. but right. But like that, I don't have, don't have any other way to think about it. That's how. I'm conditioned to think about it, like growing up with my family who's super outdoorsy. Like, even though I did that thing, like I'm still, the guilt I feel is actually that I didn't do it earlier. And I'm talking in the span of seconds earlier. Mm -hmm. And that's so hard. Like, why am I blaming myself for something that's the, in, in the matter of seconds? Yeah, you're in a circumstance that's very, very uncommon. Like, it's it's hard to know how you're going to react in situations like that. You're just going to have to make that, that good faith assumption that you're just doing your best, which you were. Uh, yeah. and I know, but that's, that's, that's all what I'm second guessing, too. Like, was I? <laughs> like, what if Julie had... <laughs> yeah. This whole time, I'm not thinking about myself, too. But, like, what if Julie had gotten killed? 
or even hurt. Like, would I have been, I would never have been comfortable saying like, well, I did my best. Well, I tried to get out of there. Right. Right. Well, I thought it was going away from us. Like, yeah, it's so, I don't know. I've never been in an actual emergency before. I've been in like quasi emergencies where like, like I mentioned with my, with my brother, when we were at a bear camp and (laughs) there was like, there was a bear we could hear, but not see. Yeah. So we had to walk back to back to the four-wheeler. Jesus. <laughs> and like that's, I mean, sort of. This is more akin to like a, a house fire where nobody got hurt. Right. Or like a gas leak that never exploded. Mm-hmm. But you smelled it and you got out of the house anyways. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe the better analogy. But it's still hard to, I don't know. I'm So my brain is just racing constantly. And yeah. so the reason I brought this up is because, like, yeah. watching this movie was a great palate cleanser. Right. <laughs> <laughs> After all of that, you know, like, you, you experience trauma and, like, the most fear you've ever felt running, barely making it back, you know. And then uh, you get to watch the Ninja Turtles, uh, which was there for you in a moment like that. And, you know, maybe that's part of why these types of movies are popular, too is that you know people are dealing with all sorts of things in their lives and something like this can just completely pull you out of the problems yeah. you've dealt with and think about like the hero yeah. syndrome and like plot armor yeah. where the main characters are never really in danger you know they're gonna live right people, some people are like ah, well what's the main point you know they're gonna make it you know the good guy's gonna win what if they all died in this movie <laughs> It's like five minutes in. The rest of the movie is funerals. Like, there were ninja turtles? What the fuck? They lived in a sewer? Yes, I think that's the appeal of it. I mean, I don't face a lot of trauma in my day-to-day life at all. I'm a very privileged, middle-class, suburbanite person. (laughs) Well, uh, despite that, Ryan, I'm glad you made it out out of there okay, and and Julie and and your dog. Uh, That's some crazy shit, dude, and I, I hope... Uh, that given enough time, you'll feel comfortable again uh, with camping in a lightning storm, uh, the great American uh, experience. <laughs> That's some crazy shit. I'm glad uh, the Ninja Turtles were there for you yeah. uh, in a moment. In, in my time. To, yeah, in, in your time of need. I think uh, it served its purpose, these, these types of movies, to transport you into a different realm, uh, the magical world of New York City in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay, that's a topic, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, And I guess, you know, we can get into the actual substance of the movie, you know, beat by beat as well. Um, Because one thing I noticed watching this, like as soon as it came on, like as soon as we saw New York City, I was like, holy shit, this is like a real movie. Like watching Turbo Rangers, when you're when you're seeing that, you're like, okay, this is not like a normal movie. Just everything about it. But here you feel the budget. It already feels 10 times bigger than Power Rangers. Well, you feel the budget and most of it was spent on garbage. <laughs> like, <laughs> they trashed right? up That's that the... city, man. It looked fucked. It's so it's funny that you make the you made the Daredevil connection. Yeah. They're both from New York, allegedly caused by the same mutagen same spill. Goo. Yeah. Right? That's the kind of the joke <laughs> right. with these guys, right? So they're 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 set in the same kind of environment and they both take the gritty new york city midtown kind of hell's kitchen neighborhood yeah and maybe because not maybe notoriously it was different 
in that yeah. period in the 80s and 90s right like this was during like the tough on crime bill era where people are talking about how new york city's like falling apart or whatever with the, the crime rate i think was was the highest i think when when people talk about like the drop in crime as you always talk about the 90s or the the late 80s um so i think this was during an era where i think people were also fantasizing about vigilantes a bit too um but they did depict that image of new york it looked grimy it looked scary it's taxi driver <laughs> like, yeah yeah it's a, a place where you don't want to be walking around at night in new york um but then but again it, like i'm a new yorker in the state sense of it yeah and i've spent a lot of time in the city and yes when you live in the city you're exposed to that sort of stuff just kind of like because you live there and you don't <laughs> that's what you spend oh, yeah. 24 <laughs> hours of your day but right. I have a vastly different image of New York City than this movie does. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that that's because of the change in time. I think it's probably because this movie and movies like it, like Daredevil, are pandering to this sort of anti-crowd, or anti-crowd, but like anti-crime mentality that's so pervasive. And they're like... Yeah, you need to be anti-crime. Look how bad it is over there. <laughs> yeah, this is appealing to like Midwestern. It's appealing families. to people who don't live right. in New York City. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally, dude. Like, uh, you know, I, I get that living in LA too. Like, you watch you watch depictions of LA in the '90s. Admittedly, you know, it, it the, the, they, they said it's a higher crime rate in the '90s, but like, it it really is a different depiction in media than when you actually live yeah. there. Um, you know, with all these movies the, made by Hollywood. I didn't know that L.A. had public transit until Speed and Collateral. <laughs> right. Like, and Speed is, is about how that public transit is, like, this, being exploded. And right? Collateral is about a serial killer. Right. It's like, don't go on our transit. Uh, but in the beginning of this movie, it, it's it, there's a lot of there's quite a bit of extras in this movie. I, I don't know if they're shooting with B-Real, but there's portions where there's, like, crowds. Um, and there's a wallet handoff scene where one kid takes a wallet from one guy and they're handing it off to like nine dudes until he hands it finally off to a ninja (laughs) broad daylight. (laughs) And you see this like ninja hand grab it and they're not even like really hidden. It's like daylight is hitting this ninja hand. And I'm like, is there just this shredder villain in the middle of the New York city street? We didn't overview. Oh, the overview of the movie. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of derailed like a half hour long story. Ryan, do you want to do the overview? Fuck no, this is your I, movie. I could, I could do the overview. Okay, I'll do the overview. Thank you. I was being polite. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is an adaptation of the famous comic book slash cartoon series. Um, this is the origin story of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you're not familiar with these guys, they were turtles, baby turtles. And they had some goo spilled on them. And also a rat got some of the goo too. The rat got he got big. The rat got big, and he got smart. And the turtles got big, but only a little smart. Uh, but the turtles were also kind of jacked from the thing, too. So the rat raised the turtles, and guess what? The rat was the pet of a martial arts master. The rat knew kung fu, but he weirdly knew it before the mutant shit. Yeah, that doesn't make do any it. sense, because he got <laughs> smart later. Fuck, man. He was already a pretty smart rat, okay? <laughs> Anyways, he teaches the turtles, like, fucking, like, Sun Tzu, like, art of war shit, teaches them, like, Zen Buddhism, and also Kung Fu, and trains them to be just the most deadly killing machines in New York. These turtles turn 15, and they're skateboarding, they're buying pizza, and they decide to start 
fighting crime around the city. Take matters into their own hands as tax-paying citizens. All right? And uh, they're beating up some of these these uh, thieves in New York, I guess. Uh, and then it, it kind of turns out that some of these thieves are tied to this network. And there's a little bit of weird uh, Asian racism and Orientalism tied into this. About how the Japanese are responsible for all the crime in New York. Oh, boy. Uh, Japanese <laughs> and, uh, children, really, too. Right. And there's a guy named Shredder. He's, uh, he's the famous Ninja Turtle villain. He's at the top here. And the turtles have got to kind of get through everything uh, while fighting through Shredder's minions. And they meet some, uh, some like, famous characters along the way. You got Casey Jones and April O'Neil, who are kind of the, the humans that always kind of show up in the Ninja Turtles universe that interact with them in the real world. Um, and we can talk about the rest. And that's kind of the basic beats. There's not a lot of plot, I think, that happens. It's a lot of gags. And it's a lot of moments in this movie <laughs> kind of carrying you through these things. But, like, aside from the costumes, I noticed the sets in this movie. Uh, you notice, like, the sewer set, the bedrooms, the cool kid, like, crime layer, which is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love the look of this movie. Like, there was, there was, like, a 90s cheapness, but it kind of added to it for me. Um, seeing, like, the kids skateboarding around in this neon layer with arcade machines. You know what it reminds me of a lot? Yeah. Uh, the Grinch. The Grinch? The Jim Carrey Grinch? Yeah. Right? He's in, like, I, a, he's in a green... Like, mm -hmm. really cool makeup costume. And he lives in a bunch of garbage. That's true. That's, that is true. If, if you liked the Grinch okay. movie with Jim Carrey, yes. the aesthetic mm -hmm. of the scenes when he's in his mountain lair, yeah. if you like that aesthetic and vibe and want, like, 90 minutes of that with kung fu, like, <laughs> turtles, yeah. watch this movie, man. We should do a season of green guys who live in trash. You got the Grinch. Whoa. You got Shrek. You got Whoa! TMNT. It's a huge genre. And uh, Elf, I guess he's green. He lives kind of not so great. At one point, he sleeps in the trash. He does sleep in the trash. That counts. It's going to be low on the meter, though. Um, I also love in this movie that it's made in 1990. I loved, like, the 90s, like, New York pop music <laughs> that's coming into this movie. It feels like a bit like a period piece to me, just the fashion and everything. It's, it's wild that this it was felt, made It felt then. very, like, CBGB. Right, like the kind of like punk a bit, yeah. like kind of crusty. But also like I like how they build anticipation in the first five minutes. You don't get to see the turtles right away. You see this scene where April O'Neil is getting mugged. The lights go out Batman style and you just hear like a like a like a ninja like a ninja moment and they're all tied up. I thought I loved that scene where you just don't see them. And then there's a reveal where they're all high-fiving in the sewer, and it's like, boom, Ninja Turtles. And they're like on skateboards, yeah. and I loved that. And then Raphael says, I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> Raphael is not a teenager, dude. They have three 15-year-olds and, and one 45-year-old 45-year-old member of the Jersey Shore. <laughs> he has like a different accent from the rest of them like they all they all talk the same besides this one guy who wants to wear a trench coat all the time <laughs> he's literally doing like the rorschach thing he's like yeah this city's a fucking dying animal and i'm its only protector <laughs> and he cusses his first line is a cuss word what he's like he, he throws he throws the sigh at the thing and he, and he loses it and april o'neill grabs it and he's like damn and then amber's like oh they said damn that's crazy they say they, they said damn and he says it over and over throughout the thing and that's kind of how you know he's a he's a bad boy he, he cusses okay and the rest of them don't so um, i didn't know what the name of that weapon was it was a sigh baby sigh uh, are you spelling that with a p s-a-i 
Uh, so each oh. Ninja Turtle has a different specialization. They each have a different weapon. So yeah, Leonardo. can we go over this? We're getting on the plot okay. of the movie. So there might be people who are yeah. like, I don't know anything about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This guy talked about lightning right. for a half hour. Uh, <laughs> when are they going to explain? Okay. All right. So let, we'll run through them. All right. First, there's Leonardo, the leader. He has a blue headband. Yeah. And he it's has easy to remember. Leo leader. Le- Leo. That's perfect. Thank you, Ryan. It's good little mnemonic. Uh, he's got katanas, yeah. right? He's he's got he's kind of the more deadly. He's of the, the group. he's the most deadly. It's all those other weapons are kind of like you can just maim somebody katana. You're fucking killing yeah. somebody. So and uh, he's what color? Light blue. Light blue, and he's the most level headed. He's the one that kind of keeps the group together. Right. Um. Some people would say he's the most boring one. I don't think so. I think Leonardo's cool. Um, you have to be boring you, as the leader. If you're exactly if you're you brash, running into exactly. danger like Raphael. Your group lasts 30 seconds, and they're donezo. Yeah, terrible leader. Um, the next one is Michelangelo. Mikey! He's the jokester of the group. He's the one who makes the pizza calls, and he's got the nunchucks. He's orange. He's orange. He's probably the, the most part- famous, would you say? I think so. I think a lot of people like like Michelangelo. Yeah. Maybe Raphael, too. Um, but the thing about it is, in the alternate version of this movie that was released in the UK, they had laws against showing, quote-unquote, oriental weapons in what? films. What? <laughs> And they had to edit out the scenes where they showed him with nunchucks, which what? I think is the most fucking wild thing I've ever read. Uh, I have no idea why, but it's something about this like anti-violence initiative that they had. For some yeah, reason, people roaming around with nunchucks is the problem. <laughs> Was there nunchuck gangs in the UK in the eighties? <laughs> what? They needed a law for it. Yeah, and they had to edit those scenes out. Um, so Michelangelo had the most unacceptable weapons in the UK at the time. Um, the next one we talked about, Raphael, red headband, badass. He cusses sometimes. He has psi. The loose uh, think, cannon. When you think of the loose cannon, if you don't know what psi are, think of like what Electra holds, those little tiny oh, swords. Oh, yeah. If someone doesn't yeah. know what a psi is, <laughs> they're going to know who Electra is and what her weapon is. Congratulations. You got invited to parties in high school, all right? Uh, they're, they're, they're the most similar to like daggers, right? Yeah, but they have like a guard in front of them that, <laughs> on either side, they also turns up into points. It's like if you took a three pronged fork and then made the two tines on the side small and made the one tine huge. Yeah, it's like if you had a, a big fork, uh, but with one tine huge. Anyways, uh, the last one is Donatello. He's the nerd. He's the tech expert, and that he's kind of taken that role a little more in the modern. Uh, iterations of the turtles he makes like robotics he makes their gadgets and shit and he uses a bow staff we talked about this before um we were thinking that bow staff was kind of the lamest one i've since kind of changed my view bow staff is a fucking deadly ass weapon yeah, he sweeps <laughs> he lot. kicks ass yeah he kicks ass in this, in this one he, he's uh he's not so nerdy in here i think he's still kind of cool he, just he, like he's Mikey more of the like weapon. um not so nerdy but maybe more mechanically inclined and mature yeah. more knowledgeable so each one has a different weapon. They also have a different mode of wheeled vehicle in the cartoons, too. I think Donatello has a bike. Uh, I think Leonardo has, like, a skateboard. Michelangelo has, like, uh, these, like, rollerblades. And then I think Raphael has a scooter. I might have had those mixed up. I don't But they each have a different aspect. thing. I remember thinking that was sick <laughs> as well. Uh, but there you have it, folks. That's the Ninja Turtles. You have those in your head. And they're also turtles who look like men. Like big, strong They're men. They're anthropomorphized turtles. They're not turtles who look like men. They have like arms and legs that are like ripped and they stand upright. And there's no there's no genitalia visible. I think like a turtle, it's Emphasis all inside. Emphasis on visible. 
Exactly, dude. I dissected a turtle in high school. It's all rolled up like a fruit roll up inside what? their shell. All right. What are you Google? Are you talking? Are you serious? Dicks. I'm serious. I'm dead fucking serious. All right. Fruit roll up. Tur- Google tur- Google turtle dicks. You have to unroll them. They're huge. You mean, you mean fruit by the foot or fruit roll fruit roll up? I guess they both roll, man. I just no. You know, one you- is a square and one is a long rectangle. <laughs> Okay. All right. There's no, they don't have like a, forgive me for saying, they don't have like a chode style <laughs> penis. It's, it's lengthwise, right? That one, that's the fruit roll up. That's the one with the okay, tattoos. Yes. Fruit roll up style penis. And they're huge, dude. What? They're like the length of their whole fucking body. But they're wide? They're like sort of wide. Like, that's, uh, so, but you, like, so you're talking about fruit by the foot? yes fuck man yes it's fruit by the foot it's the same proportions all right you roll them out they're like if if they were human sized okay um i don't i don't want to talk about the the, okay, the, tur- the penises would be four feet long it'd be four feet long that's go. what i'm saying that's what I, it's they're huge okay well, I'm just, i think, we're, I think un- we're on one side of the line okay all right and now <laughs> we're on the other side of the line. we're done we're done talking about turtle dicks you brought it up i did not um, bring it up there's a classic scene in here I think when when Mikey is ordering pizza, this is a, this is a non sequitur, right? <laughs> this is a non sequitur. <laughs> but like when Master Splinter shows up for the scene when Mikey's ordering the pizza, that's when I was like, "Holy shit!" Like they also do the same animatronics with this rat costume. Um, this is kind of the start of when I was like, "Oh, there's a little bit of a weird vibe with the Asian accents going on here." There's obviously not an Asian guy doing an accent. It's kind of like he's reading like these fortune cookie style things. Like I don't even want to do an impression of it. Yeah, but it was a little weird. Um, but I do like some of his speeches to the turtles. Like it's he's kind of teaching them to be like not toxic heroes. And even he talks to Raphael in a good scene, I think, where he's talking to him about the anger he feels. And he says that anger, when turned inward, is an unconquerable enemy. And he's like, you're, you can't keep going like this, dude. You need to, like, get with your friends and family. You're getting fucked, man. You're trying to do this one-man show. And I liked that. I think that was a bit of, like, an anti-Batman moment. That's, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I was really surprised mm-hmm. at how much of this movie was directed at dads or kids who didn't have dads. Yeah. necessarily or maybe like didn't have a good role model as it like because mm-hmm. splinter is the rat and he's their leader and he's the absolute badass apparently he's awesome yeah but he's sitting <laughs> down and he never raises his voice and he talks to the turtles and says hey you know you need to be a little bit more introspective and that is so crazy and throughout this <laughs> movie he does, he does the same thing over and over and over until the climax of the movie where he actually whips out his kung fu. Mm-hmm. But there's a one scene about two-thirds of the way through this movie where he says, spoilers! <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he gets captured by the bad guys, and he's talking to a kid who does not have a good role model. His dad's basically abandoned him, so the kid joined the evil gang. And he says, you know, like, these people aren't your family. You know, you, you, your parents probably do care for you. And if not... Essentially, like, I'll be your dad. Right. And he says, like, <laughs> all fathers care for their sons. And you know mm-hmm. he's talking about, really, he's talking about the turtles. Yeah. And he's essentially saying to this kid, like, let me go so I can go be with my sons and protect them from you, essentially. Yeah. I, I thought, like, I appreciated his tenderness. And the turtles really respect him, too. Like, even right. when they're acting out, 
they actually listen to him. And, he, and when he's like, he could have been like, oh, you fucking kids, stop it with the skateboarding, Jesus Christ. Like, but he's actually like, okay, guys, let's reel it in. Like, you know, this is what we got to do. And, or sometimes he's just like, ah, they're fucking kids, whatever. I think it's like a nice non-toxic role model in here. And the way the turtles even deal with each other, like empathetically and compassionately, I think is also like really great. It was w- wildly more adult than I was expecting. Yeah. Like healthy male relationships. Yeah. Like what? Like where has that gone? <laughs> it was 1990. Like they're like hugging and crying and like caring for one another. It's, it's very Guardians it's like, of the Galaxy, you know? Yeah. Like I really like that series because, you know, they're all outcasts, but they all become their own best friends, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. like you get like people like Drax and Raccoon and the main guy, Peter Quill, Star-Lord, and like mm. they are all, there's females in the troupe too, which is actually one of the reasons why I like it so much because they all have healthy platonic relationships as well. Yeah. But like they're, they're kind of just there for each other and they pat each other on the back when somebody's down. And I was not expecting to see that from a 1990 movie right. about freaking Ninja Turtles. <laughs> this is coming out at like one year after Batman. And I, I mentioned it's anti-Batman. Uh, we coming out a one, bit. one year after Batman Forever. Wasn't 89 uh, first Batman? Don't think so. I think it's Batman Forever. Well, there's no way we'll know for sure. There's literally uh, folks, no way to find out. There's no, absolutely no the, way. The, but I, my weird, my keyboard sometimes makes this clicking noise. Wow, yeah, you might be down. right. Yeah, it's okay. You might be we'll right. Because Batman out. Forever oh. says 1995. Oh shit! Oh, who's the Batman? It's okay. Um, but yeah, but Batman, it's kind of like we talked about. It's like kind of like an insult power fantasy where it's like one man and he takes fucking vengeance on the night and it's just him and he's a billionaire and billionaires are great and you know it's but like Ninja Turtles are. They, they're kind of communal and there's a totally different vibe yes it's still like vigilantism and they're still basically killing these fucking people um i do think it's a little bit of an antidote um i did like the scene with the pizza delivery driver where like it, it's kind of in the commercial too i think where he's holding the ten dollar bill through the sewer grate and he's like hey man drop the pizza down here and like i loved that scene i remember seeing it on tiktok people just like really love that weird turtle scene seeing new yorkers just interact with the turtles in the wild, I think it's the fun, most fun part. Because the New Yorkers are just kind of like, that's fucking New York, yeah. man. That's just like... You know, they're like, they're like tomorrow day. it's going to be something else, you know? Yeah. And the cab driver, he's like driving a tourist. And they're like, they're like, what the fuck was that? And after he hits Raphael, and he's like, oh, it looks like a turtle in a trench coat. Anyways, you going to LaGuardia? Yeah. Like, just seeing an anthropomorphic turtle that's like six feet tall talk about the most alarming thing you could see (laughs) dressed in full ninja gear (laughs) wearing a trench coat um but that brings us to the first kind of major human character after april o'neill which which is casey jones in this movie played by not robert de niro he's he's like dressed in like this hockey gear i think amber and i were kind of shocked because like there's this guy who does a petty thief thing and he hits him in the face with a full windup with a hockey stick. And Amber was like, is he dead? Oh yeah. my God. So this is something that makes me uncomfortable with violence in yeah. movies. And I think that using what, like guns, obviously, like as a weapon, I think right. it's way overused. And I went on an anti-bones rant not too long ago. Uh, so I'm not going to do another one. Anti-bones? Like using I bones hate as bones. weapons? No, the sh- Oh, the, mo- the show, show bones. bones. The show. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. We, we established that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But that's all gun related. But like melee weapons as well. 
Right. Uh, I remember being scarred as a kid by some like John Wayne or like Bonanza movie or something. Mm. But when they killed some guy with a two by four and right. like I was scarred from it because that depiction was realistic. And therefore, I don't think you should go around in kids movies and have a cartoonish version of that with no consequences and have it not be yeah. realistic and be like, hey, this is what you should do if you ever run into somebody you don't like. Hit him in the <laughs> face with a golf club. Right. Like, it's, yeah. that's actually like a really brutal way to, you know, it's very brutal. It's very like animalistic. And I was taken aback that they took that approach. I thought it was going to be like Jackie Chan movie or like uh, Bruce Lee movie style where you hit, he hits a guy with a nunchuck and that guy goes kind of flying out of frame. Right. Uh, it was... <laughs> I don't know. There's a couple, especially that scene you mentioned in the golf club scene later, like took me out of the movie a little bit. Because those are kill shots. Yeah. That he's no. Doing, and like, if if not, you would tra- you would traumatically injure someone like that. The, you're doing 20 years to life in prison, essentially. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's a kids' movie too. Like, I would understand if Casey Jones maybe just swept the leg or like hit him somewhere where the guy would be like, oh, and he'd fall over. But to do it like that, I think is a choice. You're also trying to, like, run that line of, like, the Ninja Turtles having these deadly weapons. Like, how is Raphael supposed to fight when he has nothing but stabbing weapons? And, like, is he killing these ninjas? And there's an end scene where there's, like, a hundred teen boys laying on the ground. <laughs> and we're like, are they dead? Did they kill them all? And uh, they, they kind of, like, show, like, oh, they're all knocked out and they're all waking up. But we were like, man, this is, like, riding a really, really weird line. You're just you're not sure what's the, what the stakes are here. Are people dying? Are people getting beaten up? Beaten up? But to get into, I mentioned April O'Neil. I what's the actress's name? April O'Neil. Um, Judith played by Hogue? Judith Hogue. Um, I th- she's like first build when you look her up. When you look them up on IMDb, I think she's been in some other stuff. She's been in Halloween Town and also Armageddon. Another uh, a repeat showing for us. Shit. I actually liked her performance in this. At first, I thought it was kind of over the top, but then I, I realized it's it fits perfectly <laughs> into what. Yeah, this movie I didn't. Is. I didn't find anything to dig on her actually like i liked it yeah and then the scene where she's she wakes up in the turtle lair surrounded by the rat and the four turtles and she's like what the fuck (laughs) i thought she played that really well i actually laughed a lot at some of her reactions um i've i weirdly found the humor in this movie to hit like in a way that i didn't expect like it wasn't like power rangers where i was just like jesus christ like let's get through this thing i actually laughed with the movie a few times it wasn't every time but it was more than i thought yeah that's what i sort of was going with my like palate cleanser long explanation is that like you can guilt-free laugh here and that's something that we've we've talked about a few times where like there's some maybe mid-2000s comedies (laughs) that you cannot guilt-free laugh at very much like you might laugh but then when you have to justify why you find that funny like you're like like, okay uh this is a problematic piece of media and we definitely have never reviewed any of those so don't worry you don't have to (laughs) rewind don't worry folks but this movie is about freaking turtles and they're like teenagers and stuff and they're joking about pizza and like it's just different it's very innocent in Except for what we just talked about with the violence, but like, yeah, I, I uh, there were a few Asian jokes that where I was like, ah, you know, so just, yeah, I don't remember any Asian jokes, but there were definitely was like sensitivity to where like in this movie, there was one the Asian Asian people were portrayed as a other, 
They were all evil. <laughs> there, there's us, and that's white people. Right. And there's an other. And those are minorities, in this case, specifically Asians. <laughs> and they're going to teach your kids Kung Fu is cool, and they're going to turn them into terrorists. Yes, but also because you will, like, abuse and neglect your children. <laughs> like, they're going to take your children in for you, and you're not going to like what they what happens. Yeah, treat your kids good or the Asians are going to come for them. <laughs> yeah, right? That, like, that's maybe what it is. There was an Asian joke said by uh, April O'Neil where she's surrounded by ninjas, and she's like, what, am I behind on my Sony payments? And I was like, okay, all right. Like, she sees that they're, like, Japanese, I guess. Oh! Um, yeah, and then there's a, there's a really quick joke by Casey Jones where he's making fun of how the, uh, I forgot, like, the Asian henchman sounds, where the guy is, he's making a noise, and Casey Jones is doing, like, a mocking noise of that back to it, where I was like, that's ah, a little weird, dude. Oh, okay. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a more innocent time. 1990s uh well, they like racist jokes i mean like it's jokes. not like a movie coming out nowadays making the same jokes it, it, it was yeah. more like it's coming off the backs of probably like karate kid and stuff like that too and think about how far removed jackie chan and bruce lee were from this era but like it's there's a kung fu in this movie there has to be asian people how do yeah. you do that well the turtles are fucking italian <laughs> therefore the, the only roles left are the bad guys Right. It would have just been helpful, even if Casey Jones was like an Asian person or just have another character in here. Uh, and like you said, there was a sense of like us and them in this movie. Like they were kind of like the butts of the jokes um, or things to be overcome. And they're like, yay, we made it. Us normal folks and those other guys are gone. I did feel that in this movie quite a bit. And I think there was a bit of a correction with just like how white <laughs> this was later on. You know, I, th I think they kind of like kind of broaden the scope a little bit later in, with these movies. Um, we mentioned a little bit about like the fight scenes. I loved how like the choreography was done in suit. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of cuts, man. No, they actually so were doing these slips. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. When I'm watching a movie about freaking turtles and my wife is on the other end edge of the couch. She's like, wow, this choreography is actually really good. It's weirdly good. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I hadn't really kind of noticed it, but like there's people, they're doing flips and everything. And like the multiple, they're fighting off multiple people in one shot. And that does yeah. not happen nowadays. Yeah. And you take like a side-by-side -side comparison. There is a group fight in Power Ranger, in Turbo Rangers. And you see like the Red Ranger fighting. And I like slowed it down. I like went back to look at it. And the people in the background are just scooting back and forth to look like they're fighting. It's really obvious. They're just like dancing in the background and waving their arms around. But you watch the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Everybody is doing something in that frame. They're all kicking. It's totally choreographed. And also the, uh, I think the stunt actors who are in there, they actually know how to use these weapons. Like the, the nunchuck guy is actually doing all these, right. this stuff and it looks good. So the voices are dubbed by actors, including Corey Feldman. Yeah, which is crazy. Which is absurd. But except for Raphael, right? He was the, the... Was he done by the... It, he was dubbed, but it was the same actor. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. I like the charisma of the turtles, like how they played with each other too. Like you, you kind of feel that we talked about, like they're emotionally tied together, but also their quips, that scene where they're all just doing impressions from movies and they're all laughing together. You feel like they have this rapport, that one scene where Leonardo and Raphael are fighting and Michelangelo is just like, Oh, I think they're fighting. You want to go to the kitchen? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they like sneak out and they let them do their thing. I think little moments like that kind of make you really like these characters. They're siblings. And you get, 
yeah, they're siblings and you feel that. And I wasn't feeling, this is not fair that I'm comparing these movies, but I didn't feel it in Power Rangers. Power Rangers felt like five separate people who just happened to be in a movie together. Um, weirdly, and if you have seen this series, you might know what I mean. I know you, you haven't in Allie, but it reminds me a little bit of like The Haunting of Hill House. Okay. And that I, I personally really like Mike Flanagan and his productions, but the he often reuses the same cast for his movies Mm -hmm. and they all have a really good rapport with each other and they have really good chemistry and he casts a lot based on chemistry and they're all different characters like they have way wild personalities one's an addict one runs a funeral home you know one's a writer and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but they feel like siblings even the way they talk to each other if you if you didn't know if you were never told they were siblings you're like okay these people like have known each other their entire lives just the way they don't have to explain stuff that's what I feel like with this movie. Yeah, like, like what, what what you mentioned, where some one character is talking to another character. And he's like, oh, this person is yeah. going to want to go to the kitchen and get snacks with me. If I was talking to one of the other members who's currently not in the conversation, they would be like, <laughs> no, what the fuck? And it's like show, not tell. It wasn't like, hey, buddy, you remember back in 93 when you and me were getting this thing and blah, 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 and that happened? It's like you see the relationships. Right. Happen. I completely agree. And yeah, and that, that makes all the difference. Speaking of the origin of their relationships, there is a great origin story scene where Splinter is just taking you through this wild fever dream. And there's these box turtles like squishing around in this like glow in the dark goo in a can that's labeled literally radioactive toxic waste. I love that whole sequence. Amber was like, oh my God, this is amazing. The, the, the puppet rat. Holy so, shit. So they got, they got a foot tall puppet to be the yeah. rat before he was changed by the mutagen to be big and smart. Right. And the rat has like a lot of head movement. He's like a tiny it human. Looked bizarre. He's it like, looked weird. oh, okay. And he's like nodding yeah. along and like eating stuff. And he's like, and that was probably the worst part of the movie, like objectively speaking. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. It was sense. incredible, man. Yeah. Well, and also the scene where he's doing like the, the karate moves. You kind of figure out that he is the pet of this this master. And he's in his cage. He's like, huh, huh. he's like doing these formations with his arms. And you kind of find out that a master splinter has a tie to Shredder. So Shredder is like the mortal enemy of splinter's master i guess uh and it turns out shredder is kind of like an incel he wanted this girl and the girl liked the master splinter's master this is kind of confusing the way i'm saying this no it's confusing but, uh, in general <laughs> it, it is and then the uh mass and so shredder got really mad that he didn't get the girl and she didn't like him Uh, He got really mad about that, so he uh, ruined that other guy's life and uh, I guess, like, killed killed her, right? Was that? Yeah. I don't know. Wasn't that what happened? I don't know who died when. I think they both died. All I know is that, in my mind, before this movie, like right now, I would have not been able to tell you which one is Splinter and which one is Shredder. Like, they need to come up with some more (laughs) distinctive names. Because even Julie was like, what? so who's that? Shredder's the guy with the blade. Shredder is the guy him, who looks like he's the... He would shred. He would shred. Splinter would shred. It looks like the guy who's covered in splinters. It's very easy when you look at them. And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they're the, they're the turtles with the ninja masks oh. on. And that's also how Which is how also you know. very confusing. Let's back up. Because before we see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... 
what do we see? We see other ninjas. We see other right? ninjas <laughs> who look a lot like the Ninja Turtles, who for some yeah. reason have like wire cages over their eyes. That was cool. And I, I like was that. like, oh no, I picked the wrong movie. This was supposed to be the one with the rubber suits. I thought I was looking at Raphael because they have like these yeah, red, the red bandanas. Why? Amber had the same. Why did they have reaction. fucking eye cages that made them look like turtles? When you see the turtles show up, though, you're like, okay, those are very different. Well, sort of. Sometimes, like, I don't know why they would do that. I don't know. There's the 90s, a lot of cocaine going around in the studio systems. I think they wanted to make something that looks like ninjas. Well, it was going to be confusing if the audience thinks that the enemies are also not turtles. Because then why would turtles be fighting these humans? Well, what what if we just made the humans look like turtles that would be an easy transition for people to understand oh okay these turtles are green and huge man like i had no problem i had a serious problem these guys are not turtles in the beginning of the movie though before we before you've seen the turtle suits you see these guys who look like turtles yeah well wait till you see the actual and then you see the actual turtles but like it's still confusing i still didn't know whether i picked the right movie I get, I get. I, I mean, I saw the front cover, I think, but Amber had a similar moment where she saw the 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 costumes and she was like, "I thought these guys were good guys. Why are they stealing wallets?" And I'm like, "No, that's not the, that's not the right. turtles. It's like they have no shells. <laughs> like it's not. They're not here yet." Um, and I, and I, there is a fear that like they didn't commit fully to the costumes, right? When you see those two, but then you see how fucking hard they committed yes. later. You're like, okay, this is sick. You get a pass. Um, for, to go you get back, a pass for having six dollars yeah, left over on the other on the bad guy costumes. <laughs> we spent thirteen million on these things. We got to make them do do kung fu in them. They weigh an ounce. It's crazy. Uh, like to talk about Shredder, I think it makes sense that he's like running an incel indoctrination program with these like young impressionable teen kids too. He's like doing this weird thing where he's like, society has cast you out, and you need to strike back at society and be a man and join my thing. He's like, I am now your father. And uh, all along, he's just a sad little boy who uh, didn't get a girlfriend, and now he's taking it out on society. And you have this non-toxic masculinity happening with the Turtles and Splinter, and they whoop his ass. I just think that's tight. Yeah. Um, we need to break down Shredder, the bad guy, who is the villain. Yes. I did not like him as a character. I didn't like his art. No. <laughs> uh, so Shredder is just a talker for yeah. 99% of the movie. And then the last two minutes, he shows up on the rooftop and it, like fights the turtles and and, and beats the turtles because they're fighting them one on one. And then in the worst arc of any, it's worse than the freaking Malagor arc from Power Rangers. He gets fucking clowned. He gets his ass <laughs> whooped. Shredder gets fucking taken to school. <laughs> By Splinter, by the rat. It was a real, it was a real rookie move. Shredder did. Shredder pulled pulled the move that the Power Ranger did in the beginning of Power Rangers, the blue yeah. one who when he did the yeah, kick yeah. too hard and he flew out of the ring. Shredder, like all that happened, it's really funny to me because like the turtles are like "fuck you, Shredder," and they're like, "all right, which one of us wants to whoop his ass?" And he's like, "I'll go first, Which I, I like that scene. They each like go yeah, in and they fine. get incapacitated. Shredder is then waiting patiently very politely he's kind of pacing back and forth as the turtles are in a huddle <laughs> and they're like okay okay guys i think we're getting our asses kicked here we got to work on a new plan and shredder is just like okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna wait i'm not gonna attack these he's guys i've polite. been trying to kill the whole movie splinter shows up and all splinter does 
He's basically like, hey, Shredder, you fucking loser. <laughs> and Shredder's like, ah! ah! And he just sprints straight at Splinter. Like, with a spear. Who just toros just him to the side? <laughs> yeah, he just fucking throws him off the building. <laughs> Instantly. There's like, no build-up. There's no, like, dramatic, like you know, moral lesson or nothing. It's just the main guy runs off a building. <laughs> like, Shredder loses all of his composure yeah. just from, like, one line from Splinter and, like, just charges <laughs> at him, gets completely clowned, falls off, and then Splinter does get to say one more thing to him. He's like, you've got no fucking honor, you loser. And <laughs> yes. he falls into the... Oh, yeah, you know what's worse than dying? <laughs> dying with no honor like you! Yeah, <laughs> motherfucker! Splinter gets one trash talk in. And he gets and trash he in. compacted. Holy shit, this part. Oh my god. I was so surprised that they showed it. Yeah, Casey Jones. Again, the the murderous, sadistic Casey Jones. He sees this man fall like probably 50 feet. Probably into a doesn't trash know can. who the fuck he is. <laughs> did we did we did we, have we thought about Wait, was that he, Casey might thought like, like this is my time. I saw some random guy fall in the back of a dump truck with that it's put that you know it's equipped with a trash compactor i could probably yeah. get away with pushing this button right now when shredder falls into a trash can like this he's probably broken every single bone in his body yeah, he's McRat. like he will never be like shredder again like he he could probably just like go to prison at this point but casey hits a button and he's like oh oops like whatever he said <laughs> <laughs> just destroys him crunches him into a cube and i think it's implied that like shredder might have gotten out because they show the empty armor getting crushed or like just just the helmet and you're like did he what did he die they didn't show any blood or like fucking brains just coming out of the sides of the thing but uh even amber were like what the what the fuck was was i i really didn't like shredder's plot line especially his ending and i also hated his character design and his costume like it looked really cheap it looked like someone was wearing a Shredder costume from Spirit. <laughs> it looked like Mortal Kombat era costuming, yeah. and the edges of him did not look sharp. Like, I want to feel like he's dangerous. Right. And it looked like, yeah, like you said, a And he was not bulky. He wasn't intimidating no. at all. He was, sm- like, smaller than the turtles, essentially. So, like, his clothing was loose and flowy. So right. you were like, oh, that's that dude's, like, five foot six. <laughs> when you look up, like, Shredder and look at other iterations from him, even in the comic books, you're like, okay, that dude whoops ass. Like, that dude is a badass. And some of these, he looks actually, like, kind of scary. He looks like a knight or something right. or someone from, like, Mortal Kombat from the, from the actual games. This one, yeah, it, it, it doesn't really work. And I, I wonder if they used other villains in the other movies because I really don't remember. But yeah, dude gets fucking clowned at the end. A bit of an anti-climax, but you do see the turtles kicking ass all the way until the end. Uh, it ends with the original song by... Uh, oh my God. <laughs> it was like this rap song about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back when like they would just commission songs like that, which I think is amazing. And, uh, you know, Splinter says Cowabunga and they all just high five and get pizza. <laughs> Dude, the Cowabunga. So, his, his, yeah. what was happening was, okay. uh, she's like, so Julie says, they all have like their own catchphrases. That's kind of funny. And I was like, yeah, my favorite's Cowabunga. Mm-hmm. And like, they each go, this is throughout the whole movie. Each kind of yeah. goes by us so is like, radical. And Donatello is kind of like workshopping his, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And he's like, oh, it's fun. excellent. And she's like, nobody said Cowabunga. And I was like, <laughs> I know. 
It must happen. It must it's, happen at some point. It's coming. And, and that happened like three times, right? At the end of the movie, they each of the four of them, the turtles, say their like little catchword phrase. You know, yeah. radical, excellent, like whatever. And then Splinter walks. Oh no, four of them say it, and then Julie was like, "They didn't say Cowabunga." Like rubbing my nose in it, essentially, like thinking like they really make you like sweat. You here. like yeah. you misremembered this, and you bragged to me that this was your favorite. <laughs> And then Splinter walks up and everybody's like, oh, like essentially like, what is dad going to say? We were kind of goofing off, but what's dad going to say? And he goes, my favorite is Cowabunga. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know. It's fun to be cheering on really stupid shit in a movie, you know, like. It's fun. It's fun. You don't have to be so serious all the time. Right. And even Master Splinter, like that's a moment where you're like. That's kind of their dad. He's also down with this shit. Yeah. Like he also likes to have fun with these turtles. And when it ends on a high note, and you're just you just want to like high five each other and go ride a skateboard. It has just such like this Gen Xer <laughs> energy yeah. at the end. I think from front to back, I wasn't exhausted with this movie like I was with Turbo Rangers or with any like movie that's like this. I was just so surprised by like how easy this shit went down. And that's a credit also to like the director of this movie, Steve Barron. Like I don't know if you looked him up. We've definitely seen a lot of this dude's work. He again, we have a music video director in the mix here. This dude has directed billy jean summer of 69 money for nothing by dire straits legendary music video again electric avenue like you keep going these are just like amazing iconic music videos this i think was his like feature film debut and he he did like coneheads right after that and and a pinocchio movie um but like this this movie had a sense of i don't want to say sense of rhythm because that's like fucking corny but there was this sense of movement throughout where i think it just the pace the pacing was good i don't know it just it worked for me I agree, except for that, the aesthetic with everything being trashy and garbage looking and gray and stuff. And a lot of scenes were filmed at night because during the day they can't go out because they'd be spotted. So they just kind of hang out in the sewers or in April's apartment. And therefore, a lot of it was repetitive. And that was my only complaint was that one time I looked down at my phone and looked back up and it was a different scene, but in the same location. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, I don't. I must have missed something, but it's impossible to tell like what the story beat is. Mm-hmm. So I, I do agree with you. I think an hour and a half is, I'm always on bandwagon for an hour and a half movie. Yes. But yes. perfect length. But it's obvious when they only have a few sets. And I don't blame him. It felt more like a play in that regard. But like they absolutely demolished a couple of the sets by the end of it. So that was really cool. Yeah, totally. This was all kind of very handcrafted. Um, I mentioned this was number one in the box office. Back in March 30th, 1990, it made $25 million. Huge success, which makes me happy to hear. Can you guess number two, Ryan? We're playing the box office game. Feel free. You can also um, you can also guess for Jace, too. You can you can play oh. as Jace if you'd like. Uh, what was number okay, two? Okay, Jace is going to guess Lawrence of Arabia. It was not Lawrence of Arabia, but very close. I'm going to guess... Was it a James Bond movie? It was not a James Bond movie. Was this number one? Or was it the first weekend for this other movie? This other movie was in its first weekend as well. Yep, this is debut. Oh, smaller than this movie, huh? I, do you have any hints? I'll give you a hint. It stars Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. Oh, Pretty Woman? Pretty Woman. That's less uh, than this movie. Wow. Can you believe that? I thought that movie was huge yeah. and more iconic in like the mainstream sense. Um, this got beaten by TMNT. The number three, this is this movie is in its second weekend here. This is a pretty big movie. I think you've seen this. It's a 
Oh fuck! I don't. Even want, I, I'm, I'm going to reveal it just by saying this. It's it has Sean Connery in it. Uh, Hunt for Red October. It's Red October. Yep, that's it. Hey, that's <laughs> a pretty Clancy good one. Novel. You just said Sean yes. Connery, and I was like, oh, it's Hunt yeah, for Red October. It's, it's going to be Red October. That's number. See, when three. Jace is not, Jace was going to guess um, Bugs Life. Dude, Jace has been fucking dominating yeah, this, this, this game. Dude, you not have no Bugs idea. Bugs Life, Lawrence of Arabia. You what don't an know. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> terrible choices jace redeem yourself next time you broke the streak though ryan you broke the jace streak he's he's won the last like eight yep. box office games jace you got to pull it together dog uh ryan do you, did you want to talk about anything else before we get into the meters of this thing i cannot believe we've talked about ninja turtles this long which is the two of us <laughs> um i had a little bit of a discussion question yeah about the, the, this is we've already covered this topic about how New York is portrayed. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about people in Hollywood making movies about New York? Do you think there's any sort of incentive for them to portray right. uh, movies like Point Break, even though it's about criminals and like FBI's and stuff like pretty luxurious? You're on the beach. Right. You're surfing it up. <laughs> you're going to house parties and stuff. Then you have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have New York, and it's like, you live in the sewer. You live in shit. The, even the people who like have their stuff together and are reporters yeah. at the news station, they live in abandoned antique shores. There is a bit of a contrast there. And like, you know, there is a boring answer of like the people who make movies usually live in New York or LA and they want to depict usually movies where they live. But I usually I also think that they accentuate the stereotypes of each city. You live in New York. You want to accentuate the fact that everything's closer. It's grimier. Things are just overstimulated and, and like things are happening. It's a fucking crazy city. Um, and in LA, you want to accentuate the fact like, you know, you're driving in cars. You have the beach. You have these palm trees. I think it kind of idealizes these cities. And I also think audiences at home, often they dream about visiting these places. And I think it just adds to the thing. And it, it creates like a, a secondary character. Like New York is kind of a character in TMNT, even though most of it was filmed in like North Carolina or some shit. Yeah, yeah I like I like movies that are set, like they make it feel like you're in the city. I do agree. And my biggest point to this is going to actually be Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Holy shit. And that's... <laughs> For me, the worst offender, because half of the movie takes place on a boat. He's not even in Manhattan. The yeah. next third of it takes place on the some docks somewhere in Midtown Manhattan. Whereas, like, right. if you're on a dock in Midtown Manhattan, walk two minutes inland and you're at Penn Station. And the final, like, what is that? 14 minutes or something? 14% mm-hmm. is Jason walking around Manhattan and people just not giving a shit that he's serial killing people in the subway and stuff and uh it's kind of the same idea where the new york felt like a trap in that movie where like normally you're abandoned in the middle of nowhere and you're you're at a summer camp and there's no cell phone cell phones don't exist but there's no phones and or jason's cut them and he's killed half your friends and you don't he's cut the lines on your car so you can't go anywhere right that in Jason Takes Manhattan is the exact inverse. Like, nobody in New York will care about you. Like, you're in danger too fucking bad. You're on your own. Like, it's a cold-hearted city. Everybody's looking out for themselves. And you know what? If you're in danger, people are going to take advantage of you. And I got the same vibe from this movie. And it's it's weird in such a movie that's, like, so healthy about other things. It's so bleak. So, 
my follow-up question is like, since you've lived in Hollywood now for what, three or four years, what do you, how do you feel about movies portraying Hollywood? Is there, is there a particularly like bleak depiction that you think unfairly paints LA or Hollywood (laughs) as like, you know, a trap? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think you mentioned like urban fear (laughs) like in in movies where it's like people who don't live in in these urban spaces they're like oh my god it's so dangerous and it's so crazy granted there is a higher like grant like statistically it's, it's a little more dangerous um i get that a little bit with la especially uh movies from this era where la was just seen as just this hell hole but like seeing movies depicted in LA, even just in the modern sense or in Hollywood, I like seeing it. I think it's fun. (laughs) I like, it's just like how you like seeing things you recognize in movies. Usually I think Hollywood is still depicted as pretty glamorous, even though people in real life don't think of Hollywood as glamorous at all. Even when you think of like movies like La La Land, um, where they're in Hollywood quite a bit or whether they're in parts of LA. um, I think it's fun. I think it's cool. I do like movies where they kind of accentuate um, like the good parts of these cities. Like when I watch Spider, like the original Spider-Man, you know, where there's that scene where it's like, this is New York. You mess with one of us. You mess with all of us. Like, I still get like, like, you know, teary eyed when I see scenes like that. Um, I don't know if LA has something similar in that sense, but yeah, like I agree. I don't like depictions where they just make cities seem like they're just a shitty every man for himself thing. Cause we are closer together. Um, there is still like a sense of community. It's different from like a rural environment, but you do see people and I think people do look out for each other in, in, in a different way. I completely agree. And I think in, in cities, because I do live in a moderately sized city, it's more of like safety in numbers. Yeah, And like exactly. the reason you're protective over people is because you have a sense of community and like an expectation that if you were in that situation, they would also protect you. Oh, and yeah. It's not because you have a personal connection to them. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. And it's interesting that you bring up Spider-Man. That's a great Sam Raimi Spider-Man. That's a great example of like yeah. a city having a positive perception of itself. And I, I, that's much more accurate to what I have experienced in my life. Think about like uh, other movies like rom-coms and stuff, though, like. Devil Wars Prada, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Mm -hmm. Those movies also take place in New York, but it's during the daytime and everybody's kind of like fun, upscale, like (laughs) going around, uh, you know, having good life. And so I don't really understand why the portrayals of these quasi crime movies are so different. I I guess I get it because they're trying to make there has to be criminals, but like it just doesn't make logical sense to me. I think part of it, too, is like you can't have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles be in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, where it's just like they're going to stop like (laughs) this random property crime or something. You know, you have something like New York. And when people go to New York, I remember as an Alaskan going to like even Seattle or even going to New York later on. I, I felt fucking unsafe, man. I was like, holy shit, there's cars everywhere. There's people everywhere. You see like scary shit on the subway. And they wanted to cap. They they know you have that sense of what New York is like. So they put you in that, and they're like, "What if there's these turtles? They're freaks, and they're also in that mix too." And you know, I think there's a sense of danger there, and I, I get why they put it in. You know. Um. So here's a fi- closing thought. Okay. Before we get into our meters, because this has been okay. dragged on for long enough. What <laughs> about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. showing up to a summer camp? Yeah. And they meet Jason. Okay, I I like they're, this. They're the camp counselors. They get yeah. sponsored, you know, they, but they have to show up a week early to set up. 
Jason comes out of the lake, obviously, before the kids get there. Yeah. Uh, what goes down? Are there any casualties? You know, it makes me wonder, like, if there's going to be a moment where, like, the Ninja Turtles realize that their weapons actually kill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, there's going to be a moment where, where Jason hacks someone with a machete, and they, they like, one of them cuts Jason's arm off, arms off, and they're like, holy fuck, or like, something like and that. And then from then on, it's like, I'm not locked in here with you. <laughs> You're locked in here with me. If there was a played it straight rated R TMNT movie, that would be absolutely brutal. They they shell slam somebody in the movie where two of these turtles who probably weigh about like 400 pounds each slam someone between their shells and that person should have just exploded like a tube of toothpaste. <laughs> so I think you could have something really cool here. These turtles, they're, they're ninjas, man. They can like hide in the darkness and they can sneak up on him. Jason's not very agile. All right, he, he kind of just Walk his bad knees. Yeah, he's no Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, Michael Myers, who fucking world class sprinter. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh fuck! And then shows up and just controls his breathing, so it doesn't seem like he ran. Yeah, that's so funny. I think it'll be a sick movie. There have been crossovers with TMNT. There has been like a TMNT. I remember a Power Rangers. Uh, oh, I, I've seen the meme. Yeah, where they, where they shake hands and there's an explosion. Um, I believe it was Power Rangers in space they crossed over with. I think that'd be a sick one shot to just review after, after reviewing this. I think they'd win. I think they'd beat Jason. They'd figure it out. Yeah, I think so too. Jason Turtle power, loses. family. Uh, okay, let's get into the meters, please, for the love of God. Turtle meter? <laughs> uh i guess i'll go first how turtle was this movie how well were the ninja turtles depicted fucking 10 man this is you can't get more ninja turtles than this they were the main characters i'm really really glad that it wasn't just like a casey jones or an april o'neill movie where it's centered around their lives and then the turtles show up and it's like oh my god but i'm still living my life and the turtles are in the background um this was all turtles you see how they live you see them joking around most of the screen time was that that's how you got to do this shit, all right? I'm talking to you Godzilla creators with the modern fucking Godzilla movies, all right? You don't have your moneymaker just, just sitting in the fucking corner for 99% of the movie, okay? Ten. Okay, uh, hard disagree about the Godzilla movies, but that's totally different. That's, that's for a kaiju season. We'll go way into we'll that debate. It. Hardcore disagree. We'll uh, yeah, ten out of ten for Turtle Meter. I mean, guess what? Turtles in the name turtles in the game uh if they're on the cover too like even the bad guys sort of look like turtles they kind of do man there's also footage of real turtles the actual fucking turtles in this movie too uh yeah the the thing i like about this name is that it cuts right to the chase it's not like american pie and you don't know what's going on what what it is like is like fast and the furious tokyo drift (laughs) like (laughs) give me four words to describe that movie and those are them same with this one. So, yeah, 10 out of 10. I don't know what, what this, they call the meter it, like, actually is. Uh, New York danger crime. It would, it would have some kind of, like, shredder. Alternate name yeah. for this movie? If a movie studio made the name, and it wasn't based, based off the comic mm. book, it would be called, like, New York Madness, or, like, something really stupid and obtuse. Yeah, something in New York, you know. Like, Turtles in New York. I Kung, think, I think like, like Rumble in the Bronx, sort of. Yeah, sort of yeah. like that. Kung Fu Turtles. It would be, yeah. But Manhattan Takedown. Man, yeah, Manhattan Takedown. <laughs> uh, okay, movie meter for this thing. We had a, a short discussion about camp last episode where we talked about, like, movies that are over the top for a reason. They're in on the joke. And I think here, 
they're in on it. Like they know how ridiculous the concept is uh, for to have something so meta in 1990 like this, you know, outside of like a movie like RoboCop or something like that, I, I think is pretty rare. Um, I really appreciated a lot of the humor, the aesthetic of this movie. So much of it worked. It wasn't perfect, um, but fuck, man, I was totally entertained. Uh, you see, like, kind of the cracks around the seams sometimes in this movie. You know, some things look maybe look kind of a little low budget. Maybe some things don't totally land. There was the kind of the weird Orientalism we were talking about. But overall, dude, you sit most people in front of this movie, I think they're going to enjoy it. Reviews for this were pretty mixed when it came out. Even Roger Ebert, like, wasn't really sure about this thing. I think it has, like, a 50% of Rotten Tomatoes, so I think it's one of those things where you just, you get it or you don't. But uh, I enjoyed this way more than I expected. I'm going to give it, I think, a 7. I, I can't give it too much higher because it's not perfect, but otherwise, it's a, it's a very tight movie. It accomplished its goal here. Uh, the ending was kind of rushed and weird, but fuck, dude. Turtle power, man. Yeah, you did a good job of laying out what my thoughts are. And my score is ultimately a seven. This maybe kind of runs into the dog curve problem. It's like, could <laughs> a movie curve. about turtles ever be the a true curve. 10 out of 10? You know? Because like, I think about the scene in Monty Python when they're, mm-hmm. the Holy Grail, when they're counting out the directions for using the holy hand grenade. They're like, mm-hmm. you count to three and you throw. Four cannot be counted to. Five is right out. <laughs> like, and uh i think about that for this movie like i can't give this movie an eight because it just like it sucks it's, it's too high it's too high <laughs> you can't give a crappy movie uh, like an eight this is my likeness towards this movie like the reason i like this movie is because of the quirky weird kind of not yes. great stuff it has in it so i can't yes. give it an eight nine and ten should not even be on the table like don't even go there <laughs> like you're out of your mind yeah like no we're not there's a there's a miscommunication about what we're doing if you're giving this movie a nine or a ten and so (laughs) i think seven is good because i i ultimately did enjoy watching it and i enjoyed it watching watching it more than i thought i would so right then you know we're talking five six seven and i actually think it's pretty good it's got good messaging Good role models. And like, I, like we said, there's not a lot of guilty laughs. So yeah. I don't feel bad about giving it a seven. Are a lot of people going to give this a three or a four? Yeah. Yeah, but definitely. who gives a fuck? It's fun. I threw fuck it em. on after having a life-changing experience. <laughs> uh, and I needed to come down. <laughs> the turtles were there for us, right. folks. Uh, and we hope they can be there for you, too. And honestly, after seeing this... I want to see the rest of the turtle movies. Yeah, we, we, me and Julie were looking for something to watch today, and we almost put on the sequel. Shit, honestly, August 2nd, when that new turtle movie drops, this is not a cross promo. We, don't, we ain't getting shit for not this. Not a sponsor. Right? Not a sponsor, but I might see that shit, man. The cast looks fucking fun. Post Malone's in it. That's fun. What? Uh, but yeah, folks, there you have it. We The GBGBs, or at least two of them, we reviewed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Let us know what you think about this movie. Have you seen it recently? It's on Tubi. You guys can watch it for free. Just get the Tubi app. It's free. It's on HBO, too. That that costs money, though. Let us know what you think. Like, subscribe, or shit. Keep listening to our car season, guys. We have more car season episodes coming along the pipeline. I think this season has been pretty fucking wild right off of the bat. It kind of devolved into uh, the three of us in an arms race of who can pick the wilder movie, I think, which I love uh we're at that point in our podcast now we thank you guys for sticking with us throughout the summer break 
Um, depending on our schedules, we may do more summer break episodes. Let us know if you like these one shots or we should just, should we just shutter the fucking show when we can't show up? You don't like these? You don't like these one shots? Well, uh, we're still going to do them. We're still going to post. Screw it. Screw what I just said. We're still going to do them. Um, the show's live folks. I just, I'm just kind of, I'm, we're just kind of, we do what we, we just, there's no script. There's no script here. All right. There. I said it. Um, Ryan, is there anything you want to say to the audience? Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> this has been the Good Boys Gone Planned. Like our shit, folks, and uh, join us next week for the art of racing in the rain. <laughs> has anyone said uh, we're going to watch the art of racing in the rain next after they reviewed <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> <laughs>